Hi, my name is Sarah Tomlinson and I have been a farm vet in Derbyshire for almost 20 years. I sit on the BCBA board and I'm part of the TB subgroup. A few years ago, I joined the Bovine TB Eradication and Advisory Group for England. I also work with the TB Advisory Service, so you can see that I have a special interest in all aspects of this devastating disease. But it is a disease that we are well placed to help eradicate and my optimism is something I'd like to share with you in this podcast. We will explore what we can do to play our part and help our clients play their part. I'll also share some details from APHA that show the picture since coronavirus made everything even more challenging. I hope you find this helpful and I look forward to hearing any feedback. Firstly, a little bit about me. In 2015, I started going to National Farmers Union branch meetings. To be honest, it was a night out. I had three small children. Someone gave me a lift so I could have a glass of wine. I had already spent a large part of my career carrying out bovine TB tests, so I felt I already understood the impacts of the disease. But at these meetings, I came to realise that at the end of the day, after disclosing a reactor, I get to go home. That isn't the case for our farm clients who live with bovine TB breakdowns or the threat of a breakdown every single day. I've seen friends and clients lose businesses and suffer serious mental health issues over bovine TB. You probably have too. And not just farmers, it obviously affects us vets as well. It can be too easy to become fatalistic and disengaged with TB control, however, and I'm keen to avoid that. Because as cattle vets, we have an opportunity to lead by example and help farmers to control the controllable and do all they can to reduce their own risk. A quick look over our shoulder shows us that in the 1930s, more than 40% of the UK suffered from bovine TB infections. The link between bovine TB infection in badgers and cattle was first established in the mid-1960s. Then, as a result of a combination of tactics that included cattle movement controls, testing, slaughter of infected cattle and badger culling, the UK got to a point in the 1980s where bovine tuberculosis was nearly eradicated. We came so close. During the 90s, badgers were placed on the protected species list, not because they were endangered, but so that inappropriate killing of badgers would be illegal. This is something I think we can all agree is important. However, crucially within the law, there was always the ability to control badgers for disease purposes. But consequently, routine culling of badgers on farms with TB breakdowns was affected as a result of the Badger Act in England and Wales. TB within cattle herds started to rise slightly in the late 90s, but then in 2001 there was a suspension of testing because of the inevitable focus on foot and mouth. Many herds decimated by foot and mouth in the North and Midlands were restocked with cattle from the livestock-rich southwest, where TB was still prevalent. The cruel result was a rapid rise in TB across geographical areas of the UK. Looking at the next five years of data to 2005, despite the number of cattle herds reducing by a further 13,000, the herds that were not TB free almost trebled, the new herd incidents doubled, the number of animals slaughtered rose to nearly 30,000 and over 5,000 herds were under movement restrictions. This experience taught us that a pause in any strategy to combat this disease can have severe consequences and is part of the reason for the determination to keep testing as many cattle as was safe to do so at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So where are we right now? Can we see what impact COVID restrictions have had on the disease status? 
Stats for April and May came out recently, and these will be the first published months to have been properly impacted by the COVID-related changes to testing criteria. I contacted APHA, and this is how it's looking. Incidence is falling across the board in England and Wales. I wouldn't suggest that we read too much into the blips in the low-risk areas, such as Scotland at the moment, as the numbers are so small. Even a small rise can have a significant effect on the overall percentage change. The April stats do show that cattle slaughter rates are down in England. It is too early to tell if this is a true downward trend or if it is as a result of reduced testing, including reduced gamma interferon testing in this short period due to the COVID restrictions. We can see that the number of overdue herd tests is about double what it was this time last year, from around 400 to 900. But as a percentage of all tests, this is still quite a small rise in overdue tests. APHA are seeing about 2-4% to more herd tests going overdue each month than we would normally see. But this does indicate that the vast majority of the large amount of tests are getting done, which is a massive credit to all farm animal practices and their TB testing staff. Since APHA implemented a temporary amendment to not testing calves under 180 days of age if they cannot be tested safely for COVID reasons, APHA have been notified of around 10,000 calves not tested since the policy was introduced in May. Overall, the message from the authorities at APHA is that there are some significant improvements despite the anomalies of this COVID period, and we are heading in the right direction in their overall eradication strategy. They put this down to a number of factors, including more frequent testing, better quality testing, more use of gamma interferon, wildlife control measures, and importantly, increased engagement by farmers. And this is where we can have an influence. Let's remind ourselves of the bigger picture for a moment. Bovine TB costs the taxpayer around £150 million a year in England alone. According to DEFRA, the estimated average cost of a bovine TB breakdown on a farm is around £34,000. Of this, about £20,000 is borne by the government, mainly as compensation for animals compulsory slaughtered and the cost of testing. £14,000 falls to the farmer as a result of the loss of animals, on-farm costs of testing and business disruption because of movement restrictions. We know the loss is more than financial, but these are costs that can't be ignored. However, if we look at where we've come from, we can see progress. For instance, when I started TB testing in the early 2000s, new herd breakdowns in England were running at an average of 18% per annum. Looking at trends in TB incidence and prevalence is much more useful than looking at year-on-year -year changes. Looking back over the last five years shows the difference in the TB risk areas. In England, the herd incident rate per 100 herd years at risk during the year 2019 was 94 compared to 8.6 in 2014. If only those new herd incidents that resulted in officially TB-free herd status being withdrawn are considered, then the rate at 2019 is actually lower than 2014 at 5.8 compared to 6.3. OTFW herd incidents peaked at 7.6 in December 2017 and has decreased every quarter since then. Within the high-risk area, the TB incidence rate has fluctuated between 16 and 20 incidents per 100 years at risk 
between 2014 and 2019 and was 16.9 in 2019, the lowest in the period. In the edge area of England, however, there has been a continued increase in TB incidence. The herd incidence rate during the year 2019 was 9.9 compared to 5.5 in 2014, so not good news. In the low risk area of England, herd incidence is consistently low and stable. Bovine TB strategies are obviously devolved in Wales and Scotland. Scotland, which has had TB-free status since 2009, has had a relatively stable last five years. New herd incidents are up only slightly from 0.5% to March 2019 to 0.7% to March 2020. And disease-restricted herds as a percentage of registered herds were up from 0.1% to 0.2% over the same period. So tiny margins and not a current concern. But worth remembering, TB-free status does not equate to no TB breakdowns. In Wales, new herd incidence has gone from 7.5 to 6.8% in the last year and disease-restricted herds reduced marginally from 5.9 to 5.4%. In the last five years, the herd incidence rate of new herd breakdowns during the year 2019 was 7 compared to 8.2 in 2014. In February 2018, the Government commissioned an independent review of its strategy for achieving officially bovine tuberculosis-free status in England by 2038. The review was led by Professor Sir Charles Godfrey and took place during spring and summer 2018 and reported to ministers in October 2018. Brexit and the general election delayed the Government's response and it was at last published on the 5th of March this year. At the time, BCVA welcomed the tone of the response, saying the report reflects the complexity of dealing with such a destructive disease and the recognition that multiple approaches are going to be necessary in tackling this together. The major headlines for the plan are split into five main areas. Cattle vaccination, evolving the strategy for preventing spread from wildlife, improving diagnostics, surveillance and epidemiology, and biosecurity and pharma incentivisation. The crucial aim remains to be TB free by 2038. Of course, the disease is controversial in that it also infects an iconic wild animal, the badger, but there is transmission between badgers and cattle and vice versa. Culling remains one of the contentious issues around the TB strategy and is part of the reason why altering the governance for TB control is tricky. Godfrey was quick to recognise that an unfortunate consequence of the controversy around badger culling and the politicisation of the debate distracts from the evidence around appropriate disease control and also what this inability in many areas to control badgers where they are known to be a major source of infection can prevent the individual farmer and the livestock industry doing what they can to help control the disease. Many of us working with farmers will share similar views they will all have our own take on this subject. For me, the government are right to acknowledge that they do not want to be culling badgers indefinitely, and I suspect neither do many farmers. But we need to use this tool for as long as is necessary and appropriate. There is a shift within the current government policy from badger culling to badger vaccination. In June, BCVA responded to a consultation on proposals to manage the delivery of both badger vaccination and culling in edge counties. 
This will not be a sudden switch and the government acknowledges it needs more evidence to show vaccination of badgers can reduce TB in cattle. But they would like to encourage the use in true edge areas as a cordon sanitaire to stop the spread of TB via badgers from the high risk into the low risk areas. In July, we saw that TB cattle vaccination trials are set to get underway in England and Wales. Deployment of the BCG to using cattle and the necessary DIVA test to differentiate infected and vaccinated animals is very much at the heart of the current government strategy and they have put an accelerated timescale of five years to have a commercial vaccine and an accredited test ready to use. I am cautiously optimistic that BCG cattle vaccination can be another tool in the box. We know the BCG vaccination isn't perfect. Studies show that one third of cattle gain good immunity one-third gain variable immunity and one-third never develop immunity. A recent New Zealand trial suggests a vaccine efficacy of 80% in cattle. These are very promising statistics but it can be difficult to extrapolate another country's trials to that of the UK situation given that New Zealand had lower prevalence of TB in the national herd and has successfully controlled their wildlife reservoir. It would appear sensible to assume that in order for the vaccine to be most effective, we need to maintain and expand on current policies to continue to reduce the level of TB in the cattle and badger populations. This is why BCBA and government are committed to encouraging and supporting the deployment of more diverse testing so TB can be tested earlier and removed from cattle herds faster to reduce and minimise the spread. Back to my own personal story. I'm really keen that more vets are aware of the work of the TB Advisory Service, or TBAS. Since I've been involved with this, I've come to see it as an important part of getting farmer engagement, particularly in the take-up of no regrets biosecurity, as we've all come to call it. I really feel that we've started to change the mindset of farmers, and vets, from one of despondency, hopelessness and fatalism that TB is uncontrollable, and perhaps it's a government problem, to realising that government rules and policies alone won't eradicate TB, that only by engaging in the strategy and controlling what is controllable on farms is when we will start to see TB declining. The service has engaged with over 5,000 farms at events and meetings. We have delivered over 1,500 visits and documented over 1,000 one-to-one advice sessions. We have over 120 trained advisors, more than 100 are private vets delivering the service to their own clients. Our recommendations are based on the agreed five principles of TB biosecurity, reducing the risk from boarding cattle, reducing the risk from neighbours, reducing the risk from badger contamination of feed and water in yards, and reducing badger and cattle interaction at pasture, and reducing the risk from shared equipment. Our top recommendations include using the IBTB website to check sellers' TB history, raising mineral licks, feed troughs and water troughs to one metre, fencing offsets and latrines, and the use of wildlife cameras to assess the level of badger activity before planning what actually needs to be done to badger-proof. This can be useful to persuade farmers who don't accept they have any badger activity in the yards, yet they do, as when they see badgers on film sharing the calf feed at night, they are soon asking what they can do to stop it. 
We aim to leave farmers with the knowledge they need to look around their farm and identify ways to decrease their own TB risk even further. For me, the most important message to leave farmers is believing that TB is controllable and that a TB breakdown isn't just down to bad luck. We help them to be in a much better place physically and mentally to deal with a TB breakdown should the worst happen. BCVA are keen for our members to encourage clients to take up these no regrets biosecurity measures and government seems keen to incentivise carrying out good biosecurity. At BCVA we are committed to ensure these incentives are practical, proportionate and appropriate and do not penalise those already chronically affected by TB through geography rather than their own volition but we do cautiously support the use of incentives to help drive and reward farmers who reduce their own risk of TB where they can. BCVA supports the use of earned recognition, rewarding farmers how, through their own work and engagement in schemes such as Checks TB and TBAS, to become lower risk herds. BCVA has an important role to play, of course, and we aim to be always at the table to represent cattle vets when decisions that affect our members and clients are made. We recently had input into the British Veterinary Association's latest TB document and are close to finalising a comprehensive new BCVA policy paper containing proposals for the role of the cattle vet and establishing a clear strategy for successful eradication of this devastating disease. The date of publication is to be confirmed, but it is expected in early autumn. And in a future episode of Cattlecast, my fellow BCVA board member and TB subgroup lead, Rebecca Cavill, will outline the latest BCVA TB policy in response to the government plans for TB and how that will impact us and our clients. It is crucial that any policies take an evidence-based approach. The politics are perhaps inevitable but we must influence that decision-making with scientific evidence and make sure the outcomes are practical and deliverable in the field. I hope you found this useful. I'd like to thank those who helped with some of the content of this podcast, in particular Ellie Brown, a government veterinary advisor at the APHA. The takeaway message on bovine TB for me is that cattle vets are central to any strategy and will continue to be, if not more so, under any changes coming under the Godfrey response. Whatever government strategies and scientific developments come our way, we are best placed to present the science and practical solutions to our clients. We are one of the most important tools in eradicating bovine TB.